welcome to Terrifying Enlightenment episode 4. Hi guys. Hi. Hiya. Greetings. Hello everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have a new member of the uh, cast this week. This room is getting more and more full every week. Eventually we won't be able to move in here. But we have Sharon is back, the beautiful Sharon. Uh, we have uh, Sean, our philosopher. We have Christo, our man of many talents. <laughs> and we have Alex... Uh, our medical, almost fully doctor medical student. Oh, it's good to be here. Uh, same, same here. I'm delighted to be back. So, what I was going to ask you guys, again, quick intros. I will start with Sean. I'm Sean. I study philosophy at UCD and I've meditated for four or five years. And I, uh, I'm i interested in Soto Zen Buddhism. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Christo! Hello, I'm Christo. I am a personal developer, much like the property developers, except I just develop myself and uh, hopefully <laughs> set a good example so others can develop themselves too. And I'll leave it at that. Cool. Alex? Uh, I'm a third year med student at UCD. Uh, you know, I met Mark through a philosophy course and uh, ever since then uh, he's been sending me things to read and I've been getting more and more into it ever since. It's different, but uh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Speaking of different, tell us a little bit about your background, Alex, like your parents and where you grew up. And So uh, so my father is Turkish, but he grew up in London. And my mother's Danish. They met in South America when my mother <laughs> lived in Colombia and my father lived in Curacao. They got married and then moved to Venezuela, where I was born. And then I grew up in New Orleans. <laughs> Yeah, so, and then I moved here, wow. then I moved here nearly four years ago, uh, yeah, it's, it's, wow. it's from all over the place, yeah. Where have you lived then, like? Uh, I lived in Venezuela until I was three, and then I moved to New Orleans, uh, I've, I've been to Denmark many times, my grandmother lives in Istanbul, I go there a lot, but, you know, with, with the way things are now, I, it's, it's not a place to go, mm. yeah. And can you speak lots of different languages? No, uh, languages are not my thing. You Spanish? Know. Oh, no, I'm shit at all languages. No. Oh. It's, it's terrifying. I thought you just constantly would be correcting us when we're bringing out different terminology. I thought you'd be like, actually, Mark, that means... No, maybe not. So, um, yeah, <laughs> we, we have... Uh, we don't really have any plan this week, so I'm just going to let this let this roll. Um, Christo, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? I have just been... Looking after myself, looking after my health, reading, learning, studying. I've been kind of focusing, because there's another side to me that you don't really know. The dark side. The dark side. The dark side. Um, uh, Yeah, I actually dress up in drag every Friday. Come down to see me, I'm in the George. Christina. Yeah, Christina. (laughs) Or Christelle some nights. Melons. That's what I use. Anyway, uh, no. Uh, (laughs) No, I've... um, I spent the last few days actually, because I have a sort of a, a blockchain technology personality as well. Mm. I'm very much interested in things like Bitcoin and all of these new emerging technologies that are coming out of the blocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've kind of been in that sphere for the past few days because I was out of the loop for a while. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of going back in there. And um, I had a call with a CEO of an app, a really cool app that teaches people about blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. And mm-hmm. We had a very interesting conversation, very interesting guy, studied chemical engineering and taught himself programming and development on the weekends while working as a chemical engineer. 
just if you're going to create a cryptocurrency, please don't like give it a bad name because like stuff like Kanye coins no, and stuff like that. No, just, just the worst idea. I know. How do these people think they're going to make any money by calling their coins Kanye coins, right? Or or peanut butter coins, yeah. or whatever else they it's decide ridiculous. to call them. You know. I know. <laughs> well, the coolest name I think is the Ethereum. That's the cool name. That's cool. Uh, that's a cool name. But um, yeah, so that's what I've really been doing apart from exercising and. And uh, this, that, the other, I got a job. So I'm starting a job on Wednesday, so tomorrow. So What's the job? Uh, just a regular old sales job. That's what I have experience in. So um, sales in Harvey Norman. Brilliant. But I've also... Get amazing discounts, I'll get amazing discounts. <laughs> so I can get cool mics and cool... When I buy my house soon. Yeah. Okay. You can get me discounts for me first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Sounds good. Come up to Tala. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing, really. Um, oh, and... I should probably share as well um, something that I do regularly every week is I microdose with magic mushrooms. So, disclaimer, we don't condone the uses of anything illegal in this country. But <laughs> that's so convincing, Christopher. Yeah, <laughs> I do, don't I? Mm. But anyway, if I, uh, I microdose with magic mushrooms four days a week. A microdose is about a tenth to two tenths of a gram. And there's been great both anecdotal stories as well as actual studies to to show that um, it's quite good for brain development and neurogenesis and also creative thinking. So four days a week, do that. Lifts your mood a bit, gets you thinking outside of the box. And I like to exercise when I'm on it or go to the sauna, do a meditation. It's, it's not really noticeable as much as a trip. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... And I think it's safer. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Last week we said that, because um, I obviously, I always have that bit where I come, I'll just <coughs> stick in and I'll say, well, it should be legalized and regulated, mm-hmm. right? And you said, well, I don't agree it should be blanket legalized. And to a degree, I, ag- I, I agree, and I think medicinally it should be legalized, but can we buy Panadol over the counter? We can. One box do out Do one box one box only, one but, box the, but then, right, we can go to another store and we can buy another Panadol box, mm-hmm. can't we? Yeah. Now, as human beings, we all have responsibilities and we have accountability. The, on the box it says, do not exceed this amount. It would be the same with, let's say, if you were to buy microdoses of magic mushrooms that give you better brain development and, and creative thinking that could be a, a worthy supplement to help students and anyone, really. So... Why not on the box say, well, don't exceed this amount or you'll trip your balls off. <laughs> you know? And, you know, I, I, think, I, think, I think we we've, we've gotten to a point now, I feel, in time where we should all be responsible enough to know not to do it that way and to moderate. And you're always going to have people that abuse things. There's people out there that will buy those Panadols, <laughs> that will go around collecting Panadols to, to get high off Panadol. You know, it's, you can't get rid of that. But for the majority... Of society, I think we're pretty responsible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we this is this is where I think I have to bring in uh, Alex and get him to tell us about his experience. Now he hasn't taken any uh, uh, magic mushrooms, but he he did tell me earlier on about a very interesting experience he did have. So go ahead, yeah, Alex. Sure, sure. So I was I was 16 years old. First oh. bad bad. <laughs> I, I was in I was in high school. I was 16 years old, and I had some I had some questionable friends at the time, who uh, who were into questionable things and they spent the majority of the summer before my third year in high school 
uh, hanging out in this uh, this abandoned Masonic temple. You know, it had like skulls on the wall. There was a there was an old pool table, and inside it was covered in dust. And I'm like, yeah, we go here all the time. You know, it's on the top floor of this this old abandoned building. Sounds let's, like let's, the start of a B movie. Let's let's <laughs> <laughs> let's go here. You know, let's hang out there. And I was like, okay, you know, you know, what what uh, what are you guys gonna do? And it's like, you know, why don't we take some LSD and go hang out in this building? And I was like, you know what? Why the hell not? <laughs> let's see what happens. So we go into this building, we hang out, and uh, my aunt, this is, this I don't know why, but I, she had gotten this giant, like, a tub of gingerbread cookies. So I decided, you know, we may get hungry, so I just bring along this giant tub of gingerbread oh, cookies. So I know, and I, was, I was like, we might get hungry during this. You never know what's going to happen. So then we're in there, we're eating gingerbread cookies, we're all just hanging out, having a laugh, and just this security guard pops in. It had been like four hours, so we're all kind of like, what the fuck, I'm seeing it too. So we just charge in opposite directions and just ditch this building. And, you know, we're just walking down the street, and my friend looks at me and goes, he's, he's had some run-ins with the, with the law, and he's like, we should, we should swap clothes because the cops send descriptions based upon what you're wearing. And I was like, this sounds like a great idea. Because, <laughs> of course, like, you know, what else are you going to think when you're all fucked up? So b- basically, if, if they said we're looking for a guy <clears throat> with a blue shirt and yeah. blonde hair, yeah. that if you swap with a black-haired guy, then obviously it doesn't fit the description. Right, like, you know, if you're walking down the street and they say this guy's walking around with, like, a red backpack or whatever, you know, just, you know, tuck your backpack underneath somewhere. They're not just going to pick up two random people who kind of fit the description. They're going to look for the description. Okay. So... We just get walking down the street, and then he turns to me a few minutes later and goes, a better idea, let's just not wear shirts. So we're like, okay, this seems like a logical idea. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm walking around in in trainers and togs and sunglasses. What time of day is this? It's like middle of the day. It's like one in the afternoon. (laughs) And Perfect time. It was... It seemed right at the time. It just everything felt so good. <laughs> Except for the adrenaline. Like, you just have this pounding in your head, like, what the fuck's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? So we're just walking down the street, and we just hide in this old lady's yard. And they're just, there are all these cops just swarming around, and she just gives us up. And she goes, they're over there! And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. So, so, I, so we, all, we all end up in just, just a room by ourselves, each person in a different room. I'm still just, I wear glasses, by the way, so I'm there in prescription sunglasses and just swim shorts and Nikes. And they look at me and they're like, who the fuck is this kid? <laughs> they just like, dude, does this kid think he is? Just wearing sunglasses at, at, you know, in the middle of the day and, you know, and I just I just start pacing in this room for a good seven hours. Which I, room were you in there? This was in this was in the cell, you know, whatever. Okay. In, you're in individual rooms, okay. and I just, just pace around and just keep pacing. And hours went by because when I left, it was like eleven o'clock at night. And we got picked up around two, so in the afternoon. And it's eleven o'clock at night, and I just I just paced for God knows how many hours, just thinking about all sorts of random shit, and just apparently I was just repeating things to myself over and over and over again. I don't know what it was. It's been years now, but just just walking around, just like, what's going on? Just just, just thinking to myself, and uh, yeah, then then I went home. And did you have any visuals during these periods? Nothing at all. It was just I was just in such sheer terror the whole time. I was just kind of shaking, just like. Oh my God! Like, did I do anything wrong? What's what's going on? Why am I here? Why, why, how did your just... parents handle all this? Uh, my father didn't talk to me for for a while, a good four months, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, and my mother was like, "You just should have done this at home. We could have had a conversation about this. Like, there was no need for this. Like, 
this was just bad decision making on your part. <laughs> and we find out later it was actually 25i or 25c, whatever it is. It wasn't actually LSD. I was it thinking was like, you would have it definitely was the got brand. It was the off-brand kind of. It was printed on little, tiny little copies of Declaration of Independence. And <laughs> wow! <laughs> and yeah, and uh, that was yeah, that was uh, the start of an interesting high school year. So, I went oh. to went to school that Monday, not to, not to cut you off, but I went to school that Monday. And everyone knew. <laughs> just, everyone was like, all six of you, you know, you just you know, you don't fucked up. But and, didn't everyone think you were cool? Some people were like, nice. And other <laughs> people were like, dude. Dude, why'd you do this? Like this is this isn't what you do. And I was like, eh, you just know. so you know, guys, he's about to become a doctor. So drugs don't ruin your life. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, they don't. No, they don't. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, an experience of my life. That's a great story. Yeah, <laughs> love that. Set, setting, very important. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, if things were regulated properly, then you would have got what you thought you were actually taking. But uh, yeah. Did you eat the gingerbread cookies? <laughs> we did. We, we had to leave them behind, though. I'd say, I, 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 of I that lost instantly. most of my gingerbread cookies. I was devastated yeah. when you had, you had to leave, and I, I was like, I bet you the cookies are there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, got, we got through about a quarter of this, this giant, I think it was like a four-liter tin of cookies. It was just this massive thing of gingerbread cookies. <laughs> I just thought it was a great idea at the time. I was like, you know what? We might want cookies. And I just took the cookies. Yeah. Mm. Sean. Yes. How are you? Good. Tell me of your life. Uh, oh, uh, I haven't done anything interesting this week. I've just like went to uni and studied, and I have an essay due that you have also due on Friday. <laughs> how's, how's your essay on whether Abraham was crazy for trying to kill his son, or whether he was speaking to God and was actually enlightened? How's, which, which I'm not doing that one. Oh, you're doing, you're the doing other that one. one. I'm doing the presumption of athe- atheism question. Oh, so. yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. Explain to our listeners. Oh, it's pretty. His argument's terrible. So there's just this philosopher, Anthony Flew, who says that uh, you should presume atheism, um, like you should presume innocence in a court, like everyone should be presumed innocent, and you have to prove. So you have to provide evidence of God's existence uh, before you can make a decision one way or the other. Um, but he says it has to be reasonable evidence, and it has to be objective and sufficiently reasonable and I'm like by whose standard exactly. you know and how you know some people don't have a reasonable uh, concept of God they, s- they could say I've had an experience mm-hmm. of God and then how, so how can you explain that or or you know especially if someone says the only way you're allowed to justify it is with reason yeah yeah and who, who is who, who are they to say that uh, I have or haven't had this experience or that this experience isn't you know, important or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not up to you. If I say I believe in something and it happened, then just, you know, that's it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to believe. It's and uh, how's the essay coming along? I haven't started. Oh, <laughs> two days, you got this. Yeah, no, it'll be fine. Last thing on Thursday night, it'll get done. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing on Thursday night. Wow, yeah. Sean. <laughs> <laughs> it's due, due Friday. What? So. Yeah, my, uh, Early on Friday. my cramming skills are not good. I tend to take, it takes me about two to three hours with an essay just to figure out how I'm going to approach it. So if I try and cram last minute and I have, even if it's only 1,500 words, it'll take me a full day, if not two, three days, just to get my head around it and then make some progress. And I'm so meticulous. I think that's normal Mm. for philosophy anyway, maybe Mm. for uh, most essays, I don't know. Mm. But you have to like, 
read this, read the thing, and read the thing, and read the thing, and make notes, and make notes, and make notes. So like I've written four thousand words, but I haven't started the essay yet. So I, I still have to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. But I have to write like four thousand words to just try and get like an understanding of what, think it all out, like put it all out there, and so it makes some sort of sense before I can start. So. Yeah, it's a good way to do it. I was gonna play a clip, guys, but I will get Christo to actually. I'm sure Christo knows this. I'm, I'm taking, going to go out on a limb here and say that you know who Terence McKenna is. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, of course I do. So yeah. um, the clip is uh, Terence McGregor, uh, Terence McKenna, not McGregor, <laughs> Terence McGregor. <laughs> he takes mushrooms and fights. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. We need to make a cartoon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, he's reading from something called the Corpus Hermetis- Hermeticum. Uh, but um, I'm going to get Christo to tell us a little bit about who Terence McKenna is and before I play the video. Terence McKenna, right. Well, he, he basically, yeah. <laughs> he basically was a, a lecturer at um, different universities that used to, um, his whole thing was lecturing about psychedelics and the possibility of all these different existential ideas and dimensions and stuff like that. I'm not sure what he studied. What did he study? I have no idea. I honestly don't know much about him. That's why I asked you to do yeah. this. For as, uh, as much I as I know is he's an extremely... He uses very colourful language. Yeah. And he comes up with very, very out there theories. Mm-hmm. As to, like, he came up with the stoned ape theory, which basically mm-hmm. says the reason why men evolved to where they are today is because um, some non-human hominids, I think is that the correct term, Yeah, and then uh, basically took some mushrooms and... Pop. It enlightened them and then they developed into humans because our brain grew because of that T- Terence is great but uh, Paul had a had a good opinion actually because pa- Paul Stamets sorry Paul Stamets uh, was good friends with Terence McKenna and he he says that um, it's actually not a theory the stone ape it's a, it's a hypothesis hmm. because a theory has to have some amount of Proven, yeah. The um, theory of evolution is a hi- proven hypothesis, or, yeah. or not proven, uh, highly verified, or whatever yeah. you. So, so anyway, supportable, supportable. supportable. Hi- yes, we'll go with that. Yeah, let's go. Support. With that. So, yeah, apparently it's it's more of a hypothesis. And Terence is great. He was a wonderful speaker. He the words just flowed perfectly out of him, fluidly. He does have an unfortunate voice, though. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. But th- that's what makes him stand out. You know. Yeah. He had a very peculiar voice. I'm a big fan of his brother, though. Yeah, I I I find his brother is is quite straight down the line. Yeah, he's grounded, uh, which makes him more um, mainstream, mm. and and more people who weren't familiar with this kind of topic would be more interested in listening to Dennis. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, Terence is was like he will say whatever the hell is, yeah. is he thinks. Terence was kooky. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's why we all. He was him. no, he's very interesting, very entertaining to listen to, mm. but I think. I do. I love Dennis's work because Dennis is a neuropharmacologist, so he actually does really good groundwork for for psychedelics and proving that it's you know mm-hmm. it's, it's like a Terence, force for good. Terence tries them. Terence just <laughs> takes them, yeah. But Dennis was doing them with him. They were doing it together, <laughs> and they you know the stories that they have, like the crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was. It's a bit. I don't know. <laughs> um, have you guys heard of him? I've heard the name. I've probably watched like clips or something or okay. heard, but I don't know that much about him I what about you Alex no no I've never heard of that okay no. be, be ready to listen to some Terrence McKenna alright I'm gonna turn this on now put the aux up here we go hermetic philosophy is based on what is called the hermetic corpus this is a group of books uh, uh, the most important of which is called the Asclepius 
and these books, most of them, were completely lost during the Middle Ages. Uh, at the fall of the Roman Empire, copies of these hermetic manuscripts were systematically destroyed by enthusiastic Christian barbarians. And uh, uh, the, her the hermetic manuscripts were scattered and they only survived then in monasteries in Syria and places like that. Well, I want to read you some of this stuff because uh, it's very interesting and it has a, uh, a modernity that is astonishing. Here's a little passage on uh, the imagination. If then you do not make yourself equal to God, you cannot apprehend God, for like is known by like. Leap clear of all that is corporeal and make yourself to a like expanse with that greatness which is beyond all measure. Rise above all time and become eternal, then you will apprehend God. Think that for you too nothing is impossible. Deem that you too are immortal and that you are able to grasp all things in your thought, to know every craft and every science. Find your home in the haunts of every living creature. Make yourself higher than all heights and lower than all depths. Bring together in yourself all opposites of quality, heat and cold, dryness and fluidity. Think that you are everywhere at once, on land, at sea, in heaven. Think that you are not yet begotten, that you are in the womb, that you are young, that you are old, that you have died, that you are in the world beyond the grave. Grasp in your thought all this at once, all times and places, all substances and qualities and magnitudes together. Then you can apprehend God. But if you shut up your soul in your body and abase yourself and say, I know nothing, I can do nothing, I am afraid of earth and sea, I cannot mount to heaven, I know not what I was, nor what I shall be, then what have you to do with God? Would that it were possible for you to grow wings and soar into the air, poised between earth and heaven, you might see the solid earth, the fluid sea and the streaming rivers, the wandering air, the penetrating fire, the courses of the stars, and the swiftness of the movement with which heaven encompasses all. What happiness were that, my son, to see all these borne along with one impulse, and to behold him who is unmoved, moving in all that moves, and him who is hidden, made manifest through his works. But he who presents all things to us through our senses, and thereby manifests himself through all things and in all things, and especially to those to whom he wills to manifest himself. Begin then, my son Tot, with a prayer to the Lord and Father who alone is good. Pray that you may find favor with him, and that one ray of him, if only one, may flash into your mind, so that you may have power to grasp in thought that mighty being, for thought alone can see that which is hidden, inasmuch as thought itself is hidden from sight. And if even the thought which is within you is hidden from your sight, how can he, being in himself, be manifest to you through your bodily eyes? 
But if you have power to see with the eyes of the mind, then, my son, he will manifest himself to you. For the Lord manifests himself ungrudgingly through all the universe, and you can behold God's image with your eyes and lay hold on it with your hands. If you wish to see him, think on the sun, think on the course of the moon, think on the order of the stars. Who is it that maintains that order? The sun is the greatest of the gods in heaven. To him as to their king and overlord and all the kings of heaven yield place. And yet this mighty God, greater than earth and sea, submits to having smaller stars circling above him. Who is it then, my son, that he always obeys with reverence and awe? Each of these stars too is confined by measured limits and has an appointed space to range in. Why do not all the stars in heaven run like and equal courses? Who is it that is assigned to each its place and marked out for each the extent of its course? And so forth. So it's, uh, it's a nature-oriented, celebratory, it glories in the exercise of the mind. It is not doctrinal. It is not uh, pietistic. It is magical. All right. Uh, I don't know where to start with that because half of it I didn't even follow. But the parts I did follow, I found extremely interesting. And I will let any one of you people take over first before I start babbling. What do the guys that have never heard Terence McKenna think? Um... Yeah, no, like yourself, Mark, I didn't really uh, find it a struggle to follow mm-hmm. what he was trying to say. I thought maybe it was a bit too... Like, I, I think I sort of got some of what he was saying, but a lot of it just sort of went a bit, like, out there, yeah. like, too out there for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like a God's eye view he was thinking of, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, I don't know if that's really something you can really have you can maybe have it for like a few minutes or I don't know but like forever I don't know not forever, not forever. but you'll get there <laughs> <laughs> Alex <laughs> Alex is shaking his head no, some of it was I thought it was a little like maybe a little transcendentalism of course in yeah. there but then he'd just take it to these extremes to the point where I just started googling half the things he was saying I have like eight tabs open on my phone <laughs> of things to look up when I go home when he's like you know the sun is, is the god of all the gods and then i went oh this is not what i thought it was and then he you know it went different places at different times that i wasn't expecting it to so the hermetic teachings the hermetic texts that he was reading from because that's not a normal terence mckenna mm-hmm. talk that's him just reading from a book but the hermetic tests are are, are the if you read the kvalian and, and, and the hermet, hermetic texts are basically telling us that we exist in inside the mind of god so we're like a thought so if you can imagine Shakespeare writing a book, right? He might write uh, Hamlet. And so Hamlet, if he, if Hamlet became conscious, Hamlet would think that he is moving around in his world and mm. doing his things. But really, Hamlet is um, a manifestation of Shakespeare. So they approach the life like that, that we are inside the mind of uh, a greater being, so to speak. And um, that... If you can step outside of your normal world, view, normal world view, um, I like accept a lot. But if you can step out of your normal world view and kind of 
don't limit yourself as much to your own experiences or what you've been through yourself, then you might get to a, a higher level. Um, now, I'm not saying that I've got to a higher level and stayed there, like Sean was saying that he doesn't know if you could get there and stay there for longer than a few minutes. But one of the trips I did have, I was left scared out of my life because of the potential that I have. It, it basically showed me that you're not this little person that you think you are. You're part of everything and you're capable of so much more than you actually believe you're capable of. And while I kind of this kind of sounds arrogant, but what I'm trying to say is that you almost protect yourself in a little shell of your life and you're like, oh, I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that. But when all that gets taken away, you realize that th those limitations aren't positive. You're not like being humble going, oh, it's just little old me here. It's basically you going, I can't make a difference in the world. I can't do good things. I can't step out of my own comfort zone to like try and do something better because I'm not capable of doing that. So I'm happy with my little life. And this is going, stop lying. Stop lying. Think on, think on bigger terms because you are more capable. You are capable of doing amazing things. Stop. And uh, that's why I like that video. Although, towards the end of it, it's kind of like, what's he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Alex, come on. Give us more, oh, that's, man. That's, ooh. <laughs> you, you have this really down. <laughs> Let's let you go for it. <laughs> come on, you, you've been Googling stuff. Tell me some of the things you looked up. Oh, no, I was, I was, I was comparing what he was saying to transcendentalism and, and reading about, you know, the idea of you know, people being inherently good and seeing God in the world around you and things like that and being able to embrace, you know, uh, God wherever you were and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was looking that up because... It was, it was one of those things they make you read in high school and you just kind of read and you're like, uh, why am I bothered reading Emerson and yeah. things like that? And then when he starts talking, it's a little bit of a different perspective on, on topics. You know, they're rattling around somewhere yeah. in there. And I, it was just familiar. And I, you know, it was something that I didn't find completely repulsive when I read it the first time, <laughs> unlike <laughs> some other things that I've read. But, oh, yeah, that, that, that's where I am, Mark. Okay, okay. Crystal. What's the question? Uh, the question, the, the question is, is where, what what can you at least discuss from that, or what did that inspire in you, or did or was it not that inspiring, not that inspiring to you, or? It's it's not that it wasn't inspiring. It's it's very inspiring, but obviously, I've, I've listened to him a lot, and yeah, it's. I mean, you you've covered it brilliantly there. What you said, um, I think it's exactly that. He's he's reminding us that. We are the imprint of of God. Now we need to be clear about what we mean by God. We we mean all of existence itself, reality, and all of the matter and antimatter uh, in the universe and beyond. Hmm. Um, yeah, atheists welcome, by the way. Like as which, in, yeah, I'm not I'm not talking about a man in the sky here. Exactly, yeah. and that's what we need to be clear, be clear about because a lot of people might listen in and might think um, that we are getting a bit woo, but we're not. See, God is a very subjective term, and it's it's uh, perceived in a manner that is traditional to the religious way of seeing it, unfortunately. But I think the word of the the word God means a lot more than that. It just yeah. means all exi all of existence and and reality and and everything. And but yeah, I I I definitely concur with the idea that everything is mental. You know, and 
by unlocking those mental blockages, like you were saying, you allow yourself to be capable to do anything. That's why most of the most successful people in whatever field, they become that successful because of the fact that they believe in themselves and they believe that they're capable of doing anything. Let's take Elon Musk for for example. Would he have done anything if he didn't say I can do that? Would he have done anything if he didn't believe that it was possible when people told him that it wasn't possible? You know? And so, in some sense, he is mirroring the image of that creator. You know, he's creating. Because we're all here to, to create and to serve the world, each other. Because all of the best creations are creations that serve people and the planet. And so, yeah, I think that's what Terence is really kind of saying there. And his he touched on, at the end there, saying that it's all magical. Again, magic and magical, again, is a subjective term. It's like, what do we mean by magic? You know? Because, I mean, alchemy now is chemistry, right? Because of science. They turned, they turned alchemy into yeah. chemistry. So, magic. Like, I've always looked at science as magic, in, in my opinion. But there's too much negative stigma on that word magic. Well, I was listening to a talk about this earlier today, actually. Oh, really? And I said, I mean, alchemy started off when people, the alchemical changes, they were trying to turn things into gold. They wanted to make gold. And he was saying, we can actually do that now, but it's more expensive. To uh, The process is more expensive than, than b- the gold is, is actually worth, so we don't do it. But we wanted to see if we could do it, but we can actually do it. But the main alchem- alchemical processes that these people were interested in were their own as you said, your, their own growth or change mm. as, a, as a person. Yeah. And magic, can, in, in his terminology, was there was never a chair. And then you thought up the idea of a chair and suddenly you fashioned the world. So now that we have chairs and that's magic, yeah. something that wasn't there, even as a thought became a thought and exactly. that thought became reality. Magic. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. I, I see that as magic, personally. Oh, well, look, we're all I'm talking through these fluffy right? speakers going through radio waves and we all pretend like we understand these things. Like yeah. The internet. What the hell is the internet? Like, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, like, we can all, we can all know how to use things. Um, but even someone, even a jumbo jet, this, the person who makes the different parts of the jumbo jet nobody knows how to make all of them mm. like it, it, our whole we've just got a hive mind of humanity creating things exactly. all the time and we don't even know where we came from or where our, our consciousness comes from so that's why at the end of the video he did say um that this is a non uh i think he said it was non no doctrine there was no doctrine to this oh, okay. it was basically god, god in all things but mm. again your idea of god is life if your idea of god is life which generally is my kind of way of yeah, talking me too. about it. then everything you said is spot on crystal as <laughs> usual Aye. Alex we've had you on the show it's your first time on the show and we've been going down this road straight away and it's been very interesting but I want to know about your life mate what's it like to be a doctor from Venezuela who <laughs> 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 who 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 travels the world and sails in his spare time meeting Irish people and living in Ireland Oh, I, I love living here, actually. Mm. Honestly, uh, they always say that uh, that New Orleans is actually the most northern Caribbean island that never migrated down because it's just it's on its own wave. Everyone's so relaxed and everyone's friendly. And when I moved here, it was kind of the same thing. Like, Unless it's a hurricane. 
I'm a cesarean. <laughs> like, you know, you go to New York and they say you're not allowed to make eye contact with people on the subway. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, but, you know, you go to New Orleans and you ask someone, you know, oh, you know, where's this street? And you'll end up talking to them about their children and where you should eat dinner tonight and other fun things you should do. Uh, it's just, it's one of those types of places. Uh, New Orleans always have a special place in my heart for that, and that's why I love living here. Okay. And, you know, I have some friends who claim they're miserable, you know, living here. And I'm like, why are you miserable? Like, you have such great people around you. You have great things to do. How could you ever be bored? I think they're just miserable in general. And then yeah, they just find the reason people. to be. Yeah, exactly. They're just miserable people who, who, who need a reason to bitch about, you know, I think that's what we like all that. do, though. As in, oh, a I, I, I've noticed recently, sorry to interrupt, and we will come straight back to you. But I've noticed that whenever, I'll notice that I'll be angry at something. I'll have a reason to be angry. At, and then I'll notice that actually my system's completely out of whack here and I'm just feeling anger in general and I'm directing that towards something and if it wasn't that thing I'd be directing towards something else so anyway back to you no, it's <laughs> uh, a valid point a lot mm. of people do that that mm. kind of sublimation of you know general discomfort and turning it into something really specific yeah uh, what, what else do you want to know Mark ask some well, questions <laughs> so talk show me come on okay okay psychosomatic disorders we're all we're all about the psyche in here so so, sorry, what were you going to say, Sharon? I had a question to ask. Oh, sure, sure. no. <laughs> so, coming from background in medicine, and myself coming from background in the medical field with physio, it took me a while to get on board with this type of um, psychedelic mm-hmm. stuff. I was very much, nope, logical, sick, medicine, only way to get better, heal. That was me, mm. <laughs> you know, doctors, hospitals. But there's all this research coming out that these psychedelics are really powerful in healing. And like, I mean, I suppose like you did mention psychosomatic disorders where people give themselves symptoms through anxiety or through stresses or traumas in the past. And it took me a while to get on board with no, 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 no. Everything's doctors. Everything's medicine. You have to take medicine to get better. Met Mark. Mark doesn't take any medicine. He won't even take a paracetamol. And I'm just like, what? He's completely changed me. I don't take as many tablets or anything as I used to. I just use food and my body now to do it. And then psychedelics for the mental kind of side of things. So I've literally been flipped. And I'm finding it hard to still work in my field of physiotherapy. So coming from doctors and medical background, how do you feel about all that? So I have a very interesting medical philosophy. And and Mark and I have talked about this a little bit. But... uh, with so this is a long explanation it's roundabout to what you think to to what you're getting to but um when you take the history of medicine and the history of doctoring and things like that and you 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 put it into context the way uh we are where we are with medical schools and with being a patient being a doctor it's this big time crunch now Mm -hmm. and you know everyone's trying to you're trying to push out doctors as fast as you can Mm -hmm. and it's become really cookie cutter I think medicine's lost its personal touch a little yeah. bit, where you have five minutes to meet with someone, figure out what's wrong with them, mm-hmm. you take some tests, and you just kind of, okay, this is what you have. And uh, there are a lot of personalized medical treatments that are coming out now, mm-hmm. and it's becoming less cookie cutter now. It's becoming super individualistic. Yeah. And my thing, right, yeah. the patient-centered practice and things like that. My thing with psychedelics is that. When you look at you know neurochemical drug, you know, <laughs> neurological drugs, whether it's your depressants or your mm-hmm. anti-anxiety medication, 
do they have a function? Yes. Do they work for everyone? No. But we kind of give them to everyone mm-hmm. on a very general basis because it fits a little box. It's and generic. St- the schizophrenia paper I had to hand in for clinical recently, one of the most interesting things I found is that the people who don't take the anti-schizophrenic or anti-psychotic drugs long-term, like to a large degree, do better than the people mm-hmm. who don't take them. And that there's... Uh, I think it is a part of their brain um, enlarges from the um, from the antipsychotic medication, and that causes problems long term. But anyway, back to you. I'm <laughs> doing that in three weeks. Don't, okay. don't give anything away. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so I know. So when it comes to when it comes to alternative medicine, you know, I'm never going to tell you that a reflexology map on the bottom of your foot is going to cure your gout. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> you do take Tai Chi, though. I do take Tai Chi, but. Uh, I think that it, it calms my mind. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel good about myself. It centers all of my thoughts and it gives me clarity. In the, right in the middle of the week, it's a nice break on Wednesday nights. But uh, medicine is moving more towards the area where people can take alternative medications. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, how is that, you know, where is that going to go long term? I don't know. Oh, mm-hmm. look, I'm never going to be the person that's going to be like, oh, you don't need to take... Um, you don't need to take your anti-cancer no. medication mm-hmm. uh, or your, your, you've got Alzheimer's, you should just wish it away kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, medicine has its place. It but, I, but, but I do feel that most of the reasons why people are getting um, specific chronic disorders um, stems back to a mental no, I think so. When I was a kid, and even sometimes now, if I get really anxious about something, I'll get this gut-wrenching stomachache. Mm-hmm. Like I've been stabbed in the gut, and I won't eat anything sometimes. You know, yeah. It's completely like, you know, I thought I you know, was actually sick. And it just turns out, you know, after years of actually thinking about it, analyzing it, when does it happen, why does it happen, it's when I'm stressed, when I have a negative thought. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot. Like if, you know, if I have exams and I feel like I'm not ready, or you know that little voice in the back of your head that says, you know, something that you don't agree with. You ever have that where you know your mind just says something? You go, that's not true. Every that's day. not who I am. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, I just get this this massive stomachache, and I, it's like I have to prove to myself that I'm not what that little voice says. Yeah, you're, you're having an argument with that voice. Yeah, and you're having, I'm having like, an argument with myself. How could you think that? You don't really right. think that. And <laughs> it's it's you, you know you know you, you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, why why am I thinking about this? Why am I dwelling on this? Mm-hmm. So you know, it gives credence if there's a way to you know, end this or you know to, that's to deal where with we bring it. Bring in Sean. With his meditation and the purpose of meditation to get rid of that voice in your head that's ta- talking to itself. I think what you are all saying is is right that uh, like psychosomatic things like I've had like uh, back lower back pain and then it, like from a young age and then it seemed to migrate up to my shoulders and my neck so it's now there. You know that's a bit weird. Like what, I would as a physio I see lower back pain in ninety percent of the population. And a lot of it is due to psychosomatic and biopsychosocial factors, and you can yeah. you can pick them out really, really easily, and there's nothing wrong. I think yeah. it's just like tension, like muscle tension. I think. Yeah. Because you know, you're so anxious, yeah. so you just you're like clench like your blood body. Flow, um, yeah. Like if you're stressed, you're not breathing as, as deeply as you should. You're having shallow breathing. Oxygen, carbon dioxide thing is is, is off. Um, yeah. So I, I would see a lot of that, and usually it's. There's a predisposing, like there's a traumatic, I suppose, upbringing or something really incidental mm-hmm. that kind of brings it on, and then they're out of work and. Or even just yeah. the society that, like, <laughs> the society that we live in. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's very conducive to mental health. I mean, if you're lucky and you have like a, like a good, I don't mm-hmm. know, good upbringing or whatever. But I think generally, 
like with technology and you know TV and you know we're all sitting in the house on our phones and stuff I don't think it's very good for your mind a lot of people would think and when it's when it's mentioned to them and from my own practice that um, it's this thing that they go oh you're saying it's all in my head mm-hmm. no this is real for me they say and you're like no no I'm not saying it's not real it is 100% real you mm-hmm. have this pain you have these symptoms but it's not stemming from a st- from anything structural or anything going, kind of going on with the anatomy and physiology it's it's stemming from the mind and how you're managing it and it's really hard to explain to people but we have certain protocols that we abide by for back pain due to questionnaires and things so there's three kind of levels one will get counselling one will get uh, manual therapy one will get exercise so it all depends on what comes in on the day but I think people are still very against hearing that the cause of their pain or their afflictions or their illnesses can be coming from the mind and the mental state because they think you're they think you're basically assuming that they're crazy but that's mm. not what you mean that's not what we mean we kind of mean no look <laughs> it is real it's real what but it is I mean it's the normal crazy yes it's crazy but <laughs> yeah. it's the normal crazy but they uh, modern like most of this most of our society and, and the people that were around in population don't see crazy like that no. they think that we're just calling them mad mm-hmm. and that they're making it up but you kind of have to come around and be like no it is very real for you very easy way to show people that they're crazy is get them to sit in front of a wall <laughs> like Sean meditate and try and stop th- <laughs> try and stop thinking not move don't move for half an hour stare at a wall don't move and then don't you'll, think you'll get in touch with your your body pain then mm-hmm. and then you might see that it it doesn't stay that it goes mm-hmm. yeah. if you sit with it long enough mm-hmm. and just let it be you'll notice that it, it shifts and it changes and it disappears and you're like okay it's gone and then it goes back I, I have a huge history of psychosomatic um, problems um, I had had a hit depression in 2015 really bad one um, and like I mean in the I think I was like that probably for about a year before I actually it was actually addressed by my family members I was in constant pain like I mean constant pain down nerve root pain down my arms and I was just miserable I couldn't I didn't want to get up because I was in so much pain but I did I got up and I functioned but as soon as I kind of got over that depression and kind of got my life back and I was happier, happier again, that pain was gone. And it only took, it was about probably three, four months after I had come out of it that I noticed, oh my God, I'm not in pain anymore. And it's yeah. hard because like I was told, like everybody around me, because um, I kept complaining about this back pain and mm-hmm. I went had x-rays and stuff and they were like, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I, I'm going to get an MRI and they refused to give me an MRI mm-hmm. so you don't need it. Yes. But so I, in my head, I had the story that yeah. there's something wrong with me. Like yeah. I diagnosed myself with like something called what you might have heard of ankylosing spondylitis, yes. which yeah. is a severe. I've also diagnosed myself with that. <laughs> you <laughs> diagnosed yourself with everything. <laughs> no, in fairness, I do have a fusion in one of the joints that would. Yeah, um, so you would actually have good yeah, ankylosing yeah, spondylitis. Where I, whereas I, I don't know where I was getting that from, but I was creating this narrative around yeah. it. Yeah. Like I have something wrong with me, mm-hmm. like wrong with my back. And I just, I believed it so much. Mm-hmm. And everyone around me sort of was like, you know, you could tell that they didn't quite believe me. They kind mm-hmm. of questioned it. And that made me really, really defensive. Yeah. So then they were like, okay, we'll not, we'll just say, we'll not say anything then. And that's almost worse because you feel yeah. like you're alone in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. from the mystical point of view, which I always like to come in on, is that the problem is that we make these things personal. So it's not just a pain. 
It's or my pain. It's my back pain. Yeah. It's, and as you said, my you get anxiety. defensive, defensive mm. over it as well mm. when you're like, yeah. it is real. This is my back pain. It, that is literally creating an ownership of yeah. the pain that you have, not as a, a, something that is there at the moment that won't be there mm-hmm. tomorrow or the mm-hmm. next day or in a week. And it's it's very hard to rid yourself of something that you believe is believe part is of you. yours yeah. or you. Mm. Yeah. I was actually bringing up Wim Hof because mm. what you were saying there about the psychosomatic. The well, he is the man, you know, <laughs> he's one of my heroes. I look up to him. If we were just to explain to those people that mm-hmm. that won't accept that, you know, it's all in their head. Mm-hmm. Well, not all in their head, but the fact that their head is connected to their body, yes. for God's sake. You know what I mean? We have motor neurons and, you know, there's a whole neural network going through yeah. you know, from our brain down through our body so obviously your your body is your brain you know mm-hmm. so yeah people need to look into Wim Hof whoever's listening now look into Wim Hof because you were just saying there that yeah. when people are depressed or, or um, they've gone through something traumatic they're, they've got shallow breathing mm-hmm. and then that affects um, the everything. oxygen going to their brain absolutely everything and again yeah, yeah so Wim Hof that's only one component of being anxious with the shallow breathing and not, not taking your normal regular deep breaths and constantly holding yourself in tension like it just has severe knock on effects to all the body systems yeah have you, have you heard of Wim Hof guys no um, so Superhuman. I, I, I'll say some stuff and then I'm sure Crystal will cut in but um, basically through cold exposure and deep breathing he's taken control of his autonomic nervous system and proven it through science they injected him with some sort of a was it a venom oh, some some, some virus, virus. Um, yeah and he, and he basically toxin just yeah ups, he just tells his body to dump adrenaline and and deal with it and it does and then they do it to other people and they can't do that basically he climbed everest in a pair of shorts um he injured his ankle i think on the way and had to go back down but he got to the top of kilimanjaro with just shorts on, nothing else. So basically, the cold doesn't bother him. He can stay in a ice tank for hours, where most people would be dead within twenty minutes, half an hour. But he swam under that ice river as well. Yeah, yeah. he held his breath froze. for ten minutes. Yeah, his he it was so cold and that his retinas froze, mm-hmm. and he got lost trying to break the world record of an under under ice swim in in the Arctic. So he ended up going past the hole he was supposed to get out of. And then had to double back in while blind to to get and, out. So he and now like holding his breath. Yeah. So double the double the world. Well, he he just absolutely annihilated the world record because he almost died. Um, <laughs> but the the interesting thing is he's done all of this to deal with stress and anxiety and to basically get into meditative states. Mm-hmm. And I find his method extremely effective. But you can't do it around other people unless you want to be looked at as a weirdo because you're taking really big deep fast breaths you go <laughs> and and but even okay. bigger and deeper than that um but basically cold shock so if you jump into ice cold water first thing you do is you breathe shallow mm-hmm. and you start going into shock so he exposes himself to that so much that his body's um fight or flight system is just he's just in control of that he's just like mm-hmm. i am so calm right now mm-hmm. and 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 through the and just through the control of his breath, so he's he's a great example of someone that's just mastered his body. But if you do look it up and do some of his techniques somewhere quiet by yourself, you'll find that you get strange sensations, like you'll get tingles in your hands and feet and things like that, mm-hmm. much much quicker than you do with slow and controlled breathing. I mean, that's all mm-hmm. that that kind of Kundalini fire breathing and all that kind you of can, stuff. Yeah. You can do it in a quiet place, or you can be Mark and do it on like one of our like a third date maybe <laughs> around me <laughs> and I'm sitting there going 
my man seriously I like, did that <laughs> and I'm like oh my god <laughs> I, I did it during my brother's communion and my mom was like what are you doing, like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like oh, I'm doing Wim Hof <laughs> so, Wim Hof so, what yeah, yeah she didn't know what was going on but yeah he actually not only did he do all this himself he's trained people to do this and yeah. he trained an 80 year old to walk up to the peak of Kilimanjaro um, in wow. just his shorts. So it's n- he, he's proving that it's not just him. He's not some special case. Anyone can do this. We all can do this. Sean, I'd recommend you try it out because uh, you have a good discipline with your with your meditation. Uh-huh. It's a bit more extreme, but I th- I find that it, it can... Again, it's like another shortcut. It can give you what sitting down for an hour can give you in a normal meditation mm-hmm. in, in the space of 20 minutes, maybe. I've been doing this since uh, two February two thousand and what year are we on? Two thousand eighteen. Yeah, I've been so I'm I'm basically tw- twenty one twenty to twenty one months. I have not been sick. Mm-hmm. I have not had a cold in twenty one months. Why? Because of Wim Hof. Because uh, well, I believe so. Anyway, the mm-hmm. American um, I don't know what the you'd know this, but it's the medicine textbook that they teach people from. Grace, what's that called? There, there, are, there are a lot of them. <laughs> okay, but basically they added it in a chapter just okay. about him because he is the exception to the rules that they thought were. Um, just because I'm sure you're you're there like, hmm. Well, I, g- I can give you a bit of a scientific reason as to why you can withstand the cold. He has a higher percentage of brown fat, which is adipose, brown adipose tissue in his body, mm-hmm. which uh, deals with um, creating heat in the body and it it burns faster than the, the normal white fat that we have, so it gets used for energy and heat. Um, but there's studies proven to show that people that do spend more time, more prolonged time in cold, um, they have naturally higher levels of this brown adipose tissue, brown fat. And that's why they can handle the cold. And that's why you see in Scandinavia and some cold countries and in Russia that they put the kids out into the snow when they're young mm-hmm. because it boosts their immune system. It... Um, makes th- also just on a side note the brown adipose tissue uh, causes uh, faster weight loss as well because it just it just yeah and more energy for the brain and everything quicker. yeah burns yeah. quicker so um so these people they grow up and they have a great uh, body that a body that reacts to weight loss quite uh, responsively quickly um they've got more brain power you notice that all these cold countries have very intelligent people Mm-hmm. Um, there's another thing so yeah it's just so many benefits and your immune system and on the mystical side of things and the, the sort of mental health side of things is it, it teaches you when, you, when you're when you in an ice bath or mm-hmm. when you're in the sea because I, I, I go swimming in the sea here in the winter and I'll do the, the method when you're in the sea and it's absolutely freezing so much so that it feels like pins and like needles going into your mm-hmm. skin okay and you're doing the breathing and you learn to stay calm in a situation like that, what kind of situation is going to stress you out? What kind of situation is going to get to you in real life after you've done that? Because that's what it's training you for. When you're consistent with it, then you're learning to remain calm in a very stressful situation. And uh, yeah, I love it. Since, Sorry, since, he's my I hero. Met, <laughs> since I met Mark, um, yeah, he has me doing cold exposure in the sea. Um, so I never like if you met me a couple of years ago I'd be like would you stop cold exposure to see <laughs> cold showers and it's to the point where now I, w- I actually want to do it because it makes me feel better inflammation soreness everything you just feel fantastic after I've gone out, out of an ice bath and I've had effects similar to MDMA <laughs> I'm serious I've, I've used MDMA a few times guys 
I've literally gotten out of an ice bath and I've felt the effects of MDMA. I've, I've started ringing people, telling them I love them and <laughs> texting people. Like, I just feel after. Yeah. I suppose, Alex, now you're probably like, are you, ta- are you receptive to all of this or yeah, are you still like, I, like I, logical, no, medical? No, 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 no. I think that <coughs> yeah, it, Tai Chi is a great, great thing for this. You, mm-hmm. can't, uh, you can't live without balance. Mm-hmm. And if you can't be receptive to other ideas, you just block other things off. Yeah. And you aren't receptive to anything, even if it's something you just totally don't believe in. Mm-hmm. If you can't at least analyze it, yeah. then you're not doing your duty, even as a physician, mm-hmm. to look at other things that come you come across and to to see whether they have merit. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting. And I, I, there's a there's a Danish guy who cured his psoriatic arthritis with free diving. Mm. And wow. yeah, he, he said that he had super bad psoriatic arthritis to the point where he'd just break out. He couldn't move. He felt like That's his really joints were all over. Yeah. That, yeah, he said he was in constant pain. And now he's he's a free diver. I think he's 67 years old or something like that. And he holds his breath for like 10 minutes and he just dives around and awesome. he says that that's how he cured himself mm. and so I think there's merit in these things we had someone recently tell us that they cured their acne because they started smoking what <laughs> yeah I wonder it's whatever works yeah. guys the placebo <laughs> effect can be strong in some people eh everybody everybody everyone yeah. indeed hugely mm. yeah yeah that's why anything that we talk about about psychedelics almost everybody will go that's just what you think is going on. Mm-hmm. What's really going on is you're hallucinating, and you're you have all these you're coming mm. to all these conclusions mm-hmm. that are ba- aren't based on anything real, and you're getting uh, placebo effect, and you 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 believe that based on your background and your history, and uh, you're actually full of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you sit there going, no, but I can't dispute what you're saying either. But no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, just just point them to the to the actual studies then and then get and say look look at this yeah it's like you did for me <laughs> <laughs> but then you Show have me all the you have reviews. someone like Sam Harris you know and Sam Harris has taken them all um, and he he just he says you're just overcoming your ego but mm-hmm. I don't think he's being that not that he's being disingenuous but I don't think he wants to to say what that experience brings on or maybe he's blocking the f- the, the rest of it or something well but Sam he he's very much against religion but he does sort of to some degree um, consider the idea of the unified unified force and that, that kind of on a yeah, scientific maybe it's level just, maybe it's just the uh, the biblical or yeah the, he just doesn't like the the Abrahamic style type religions um, and anything doc- doctrinal basically and I, I would agree with him there mm-hmm. in, in to some sense I, I'm a big fan of Sam um, but no he, he is he's a big fan of psychedelics and he does to some degree like I suppose Tesla would have um, believe in a unified force of energy not necessarily some being that is judging you creating laws or whatever but mm-hmm. It's weird because yeah. I I, did, I said to you after my last psilocybin trip, because um, Mark was telling me that it is all about facing your ego and the bad trips. It is it's just what's within you and and it's only you that you're scared of. So don't be too frightened and let go. And I was like, right, Grant. But afterwards, like I think a day later or so, I was like, but how do we know that that it's definitely our ego that we're facing and it's not just trying mm. to tell us something else? Because mm. because how can we know? He was proving that, and I did say that to Mark because I was like, right, you know. If people just say, oh, it's, that's what you're facing, it's your ego, what, what, you I just th- believe in that? I think the answer to that 
is that it is your own personal journey. Yeah. And you can't just like play tennis once and think you know everything about tennis mm-hmm. and that you're going you're now a tennis player. Yeah. You need to do this thing for a long period of time and unfortunately it's illegal. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be able to do it that regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because it can be quite scary you don't want to jump in too quickly either Mm -hmm. but personally because I did take it maybe every three weeks for a solid six months Mm -hmm. um, I saw a progression of I saw a progression of almost levels of understanding Mm -hmm. as I was going through something and nonsense nonsensical religious texts then can be put in a different perspective Mm -hmm. and you realize when for example the idea of sin I suddenly got the idea that 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 what they were actually talking about was that constant state of rumination where you're and that's why they said we're born into sin because even if some child was born on a desert island they would as they grew up they would come up for names names for things and they would separate the world and they wouldn't be seeing this unified field because we're naturally doing it so i i mean I, i'm not saying this is right i'm probably wrong but you just you kind of feel like you're being brought on a path mm-hmm. towards understanding and maybe you're gonna get it all wrong and see things wrongly but i think that what i felt anyway is that with magic mushrooms uh if you are getting something wrong mm-hmm. you will feel it because yeah. it will be quite a negative experience It'll yeah. be like no monkey you're you're wrong <laughs> and you're going yeah be, uh, i wasn't questioning the second mm-hmm. trip that i did have it was it was bad it was dark and all those skulls there was death horribleness everywhere and yes I did face it and I did feel great after for a good few days um, and I, when I summarised it to you when I was coming kind of down off it it made so much sense to me and it did kind of show it kind of manifested my life up to that point and everything that I've been doing that wasn't working for me so yeah I, I suppose I can actually probably say yeah I was actually facing my own ego there because it did make sense to me you know well think of it let's let's try and put it into more structural terms if we can right so let's try and create like some sort of equation let's say a is you right mm-hmm. minus b is your ego mm-hmm. equals c the planet benefits because you see outside of just the individual gain mm-hmm. and you th- you see the what what kind of word would you use to the, the mass gain i suppose the universal the, yeah universal improvement or, or development mm-hmm. so yeah I could I think we could based on experiences and what people feel afterwards and studies and stuff like that I think there's a few studies that have shown that people are more uh, ecologically mindful mm-hmm. after yeah. using psychedelics yeah I am actually which you know <laughs> we lose the ego Randomly, we yeah. become the ego <laughs> yeah right yeah. I think it makes sense I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of pointers showing that it's definitely the ego that's in the way yeah, no, and do you know yeah. what? It's not that I don't agree with that or I don't believe mm. it, but I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just because people are saying it. No one <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know. So again, it was like almost with Mark bringing me the studies on this first before yeah. I ever consider it. I'm but really like, oh. That's, yeah. that's the whole message of it all, that's though. Just, it's at just the, me at, getting scared of getting it wrong. But I think that is the message in a deeper sense that you're even thinking of. It's <clears> that <throat> everything that you're being told from the little things that you believe aren't true on the deepest level Mm -hmm. so when you're analyzing what's happening yeah and trying to understand it you're never going to get the truth you just the truth is an experience Mm -hmm. and then when you analyze the experience you can kind of point towards it or you can take it take parts away and say that's not right that's not right that's not right but you're never going to be able to express Mm -hmm. 
what is actually happening and what you're no. feeling about about it is in a way that's going to make sense even to you mm-hmm. it's just going to be grasping at it's like trying to hold water upside down in your in your fist it's just going to come you're going to have it for a second and it's going to be gone yeah. and yeah no any thoughts i wanted to ask sean about something um sure so you said that the society that we're in is like profoundly sick or it's very hard to be not mentally healthy in in the society which i agree with so mm-hmm. do you want to talk about it more or, or what do you think about that or well i guess that's that's probably a bit too strong you know to say that society's you know sick or whatever I but d- i don't think so really i think they're gr- i think society's gravely sick right now so do i i don't think we're okay. allowed to show when we are sick Mm. Yeah. I think that's more of the issue. We have to repress yeah. everything. We have to hold the image of mm. quality on the outside yeah. and we suppress ourselves. Yes. We're not that's Instagram to down to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so yeah, happy. Look it at is. my life. But it is. Exactly. Yeah, that's, what, that's, that's what it is. I, I mean. had that recently with work. I was going through a really tough time over the summer and I had to go into work game face on Yeah. and not, not let anyone know that I might be stressed or suffering with my mental health yeah. for the sake of my job well, and, and keeping that job. And that's... That's not that's not cool. We're not yeah. allowed to feel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if I did mention it, then people didn't really know how to be around me. Yeah. You know, and I was like, relax, like. <laughs> yeah. Sorry uh, to my brother Ted, who hates when I reference Graham Hancock. But um, <laughs> Graham ha- Hancock said on one of the Joe Rogan podcasts that he said that that if we are not consuming, or um, what was it? If we're not producing or consuming, mm-hmm. we're not valued by our society, mm-hmm. and that idea has gone so deep in us that we don't value ourselves that if we're relaxing we start to feel guilty yeah mm-hmm. you know because we're not producing anything and if we're relaxing even worse without actually doing anything maybe just sitting down on a, looking at the sunset we're not actually consuming any products mm-hmm. we're not producing anything for society we're useless and I think that that's why we do find it so hard to sit down mm-hmm. with our thoughts and just be, um, yeah. I had a huge issue with that up until recently and I needed a lot of work on that. I used to, if I was sitting around on my weekend and just lying there uh, reading a book or watching TV, I would feel extremely guilty. I'd get really frustrated and I wouldn't really know how to deal with it because I felt like I had to be doing something otherwise I was wasting my time, which is completely ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous now when I look back on it. Because if I want to lie there and relax and watch TV and read a book, that is absolutely not a waste of my time. And I probably needed that. Hence why I ended up in a depression. You know, like, it's... I, I used to struggle with that a lot. I don't anymore. I do as I please now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely suffer from that. Mm. But I don't, I don't know if I call it suffering. <laughs> but no, definitely, I, when I'm not being productive, I don't like it. Mm. But that's just me. That's what I thought, Christopher. That's everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's everybody. No, now I'm like, if I'm not productive, I don't care. I'm having fun. I want to do this. Then there's times where I'm, mm. where I just let go and it's fine. Yeah. But um, I we're do. We're so future based, and, and we're, yeah. s- we're so mm. we're, we're so future based that if we're not heading towards somewhere better, then the, the moment is is not valid. Mm-hmm. If we're if we're sitting in this room and all of us think this isn't a good value or use of our time in some way, shape, or form. We're all going to feel shit about this, no matter how much of a good time we have. Mm-hmm. But all of us, in some way, shape, or form, have thought about this radio show, thought about the benefits, thought about the cons, thought about some other use of our time we could be doing, and then went, hmm, 
either the enjoyment is outweighing it or what it might lead to might outweigh it. But there's very, very few things you do where you're like, I'm doing this for the moment mm. and not for the future. And I can't remember which um, philosopher talks about it, but he said you have to treat people as ends, not as means. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And can't. Thank you, Mr. Philosopher. <laughs> and that uh, not just people, but, but life itself, you have to treat as an ends, not a means. And that's, in his view, I think that was the kind of the, the highest way of living, wasn't it? Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. You, but it's okay. I, I also think that um, if you can find the passion that does produce beneficial things for other people as well as yourself you're you are fulfilling the purpose i i call it the purpose anyway to be, to be here to serve by producing not producing the shit that the society wants you to produce like fucking ass photos on instagram but i'm talking about we you know love a good ass photo now, we do it? love an ass photo i'm not gonna lie but <laughs> mark's girlfriend's uh, giving him the evils now but uh, i do think if you can find pleasure in learning that's something you can do productively like reading mm-hmm. a book man like yeah. reading a book or even watching a tv show you're still learning from from watching yeah, even a tv is. show yeah as long as it's not the kardashians or something no, um, no. you know no. but yeah um <laughs> like yesterday I, I felt really bad i was really tired i was a bit stressed out after work and i went home and i had a few things that i had to do errands and i was like no mm-mm so what I did was I lay there and binge watched Friends on Netflix <laughs> and I laughed mm-hmm. a lot. Exactly. And I felt better. And, that's, <laughs> and, that, and that is productive. It is, yeah. Because you're it's laughing. for my mental health. E- exactly. Yeah. And so like things like that, laughing, mm-hmm. sometimes realising, okay, now's the time where I need to laugh. I'm yeah. going to watch a TV show. Now's the time where I want to just sit back. That's productive because I'm giving myself a rest. Mm-hmm. But now's the time. So like we said, when you're laying around doing nothing all the time and then you start feeling bad about yourself, that could also be your body telling you, you need to go and move now because mm-hmm. I'm not happy. I've had that experience. Do you know what I mean? Your so body gets sore, you get tired, but you, yeah, you can't sleep. Yeah. It's just too sedentary. Exactly. Yeah. So I can't condone just laying around all no, the time no. either. I don't think that's a good no. thing. No. Um, like um, an hour or two where you need to watch some yeah, friends. Yeah, up and that's fine. Yeah. You know? But, uh, the friends cure. I love it. I love it. It's brilliant. <laughs> I think everything depends on the circumstance. I mean, if you're watching friends to avoid something you should be facing, then that's avoidant behavior. Yeah. Yes. If you're watching friends because you've had a tough day, mm-hmm. you're happy with the work you've done during the day, yeah. and you want to enjoy watching friends in the mm-hmm. moment because you enjoy watching friends, then fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. But really, it's very dependent on yeah. what you're, why you're why doing. Why you're doing it. You know, a lot of the time. I will decide that I need to drive to the other side of town for the food I want because I'm scared of the essay I have to write. Yeah. <laughs> and I will come up with oh, a Mark, reason. Mark does stuff like that all the time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm on to him. <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Yesterday, I wasn't really avoiding anything. I was just tired and wanted to laugh. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But you can, you can have an appropriate guilt as well. Like if somebody yes. who just experiences guilt all the time then you you don't mm-hmm. know whether you know it's appropriate or not so i think that's the person that needs to sit down and do nothing for a long period of time mm-hmm. mm, to, yeah, f- to figure probably. out why they feel that guilt that's yeah yeah good yeah. point um and I think sit with that guilt yeah mm. i think probably the most <laughs> productive the thing that <laughs> someone could do in their entire life productive is the wrong word 
the the most beneficial Benefic thing some yeah would be to try to do nothing with no stimulation and possibly even fast for a month yeah yeah well, <laughs> yeah we'll do it <laughs> no 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 i'm just saying i mean this is this is it's the extreme um i think it was plato who wouldn't allow any he That's wouldn't take Oh, it's your cousin Plato. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Plato's my cousin. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pl Plato wouldn't allow, wouldn't take on any student unless he fasted for 40 days. Christo and Plato. <laughs> pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure it was Plato. So he's basically like, if he hasn't fasted 40 days, I don't even want to, he's not even getting Interesting. So it's basically like, you have to be so, you, you got to use your willpower to do nothing mm -hmm. with no stimulation because you've got to face yourself. Because you're going to feel guilt, you're going to feel anxious, you're going to be driven by the future, you're going to not want to be in the present moment, you're going to put all your value in becoming a psychologist, a doctor, a computer guy, a philosopher, a physio or whatever, mm -hmm. or a singer. And if you don't achieve that, you're, you, you beat yourself up because that's where you put your value. If you can't sit there for a long period of time and go, I don't have to do anything to be okay. I am like my simple life of being here is my worth and then anything I decide to do with my time from that point onwards great enjoyment pleasure helping others all the rest fantastic but until you've got over yourself like we're all just we're all just fucking fighting the storm mm -hmm. you know we're, we're, we're avoiding the storm I should say now I don't think that everybody should do a 40 day fast um, but I do think that people need to realize that there is almost every system within their body wants a different thing your mm -hmm. stomach wants some chocolate right goddamn now <laughs> your your bladder needs to pee your your brain is probably lacking certain nutrients so they're going to be sending off different other signals your partner might be uh, stressed about something so you're trying to to, mm -hmm. to deal with that there's so many different things that are going on all at once we're just sensory overloaded and uh, and and to to kind of get away from all that and see how you are without all of that then what all of us will see is that we're crazy that that we 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 were so wrapped up in our relationships with everybody else and and the world and the future and possibility and everything else that if we if we block all that away then we realize shit i'm actually part of that too i'm crazy i can't be okay with myself so I need to take some time to deal with that before I can actually go back into the other world. But, hey, what do I know? I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Uh, what, what Christo was talking about, about, uh, you know, going up and getting up and moving sometimes and uh, not using, um, mm -hmm. you know, your sitting down time as a, as a distraction. My roommate decided to combine them. So yeah. he bought a bike stand, one of those mountable bike stands. Right. Oh, so cute. he combines the exercise and the friends uh. into one event at the same time and gets off and goes, I feel great now. Am I relaxed? <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Hey, man. In so, in so, so now I just Bring have a stationary him. bike in my living room. I'm going to do this. <laughs> it's great. I, I do it myself sometimes now. I'll just put on like a little Doctor Who and just start cycling on the bike and Actually, then I get off. And I did I do that good before. About myself. I bought a stationary bike for my bedroom and I had the TV on while I was actually exercising but then i just got annoyed at the stationary bike because it wasn't good it was very stiff and everything i was like can't believe i spent all this money on this and then i got rid of it but actually it was very good because i was yeah, watching yeah. my tv shows while being fit <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it was good it gives you it gives you best of both worlds there yeah 
Because after my friend's binge yesterday, I did get up out of the bed and I was like, oh my God, I feel really stiff. <laughs> and that wasn't good because then I was feeling bad again. So yeah, mm. I have to be careful. Yeah, but back to what Mark said, I think it's very important. One of the most important things in life is first, you need to learn how to be happy with nothing. Mm-hmm. To, to love yourself and love life with nothing. Because there's so much sensory input mm. from the the vibrant life of nature that we have all that we need obviously we need to feed ourselves sometimes but fasting is a great practice that both mark and i love that again teaches you that no i don't need to eat now mm-hmm. i don't love is a strong word love <laughs> difficult appreciate appreciate <laughs> what did i say love love for, for what fasting. fasting oh sorry i, lo- I, lo- I love it I I, uh. I I love how I feel after the third day, but the first three days is a goddamn struggle. Mm. Seriously, I love it. Mm. I don't know. I love a lot of things, even pain. It's great for strengthening uh. your will. Mm. Yeah, I I did a lot of intermediate fasting when we were going to the gym. Mm. I would wake up and I wouldn't eat anything until I went home for dinner. I think I told mm. you to do that. Yeah, you told me to. Yeah. I started doing it. That and that and the turmeric powder. Yeah. And absolutely everything. Oh, he got you on the tumor, did he? Yeah, well, you look great. I, <laughs> I lost, I, since January, I lost 13 kilos. Wow. Was that yeah. continuing that? Continuing that as well? over the summer, yeah. Well, look, if yeah, I only like, practiced what I preached, huh? <laughs> what about the broccoli, food? Alex? It's, it's anti oh, yeah, broccoli. He got you, did he get you into no, the broccoli? No, I, I eat broccoli. Oh, he did that yourself. I did that myself. No, yeah, that's one of the things to see. We have a doctor in the house. Is it Fridays? Or Mondays that you eat the, the, the lot of broccoli. That was Monday. Monday, Monday. I would just you come know? home and eat a kilo of broccoli for dinner. And that's all I would eat. That's a lot of broccoli. Wow. How many know, heads of broccoli is that? I don't know. I, I would just buy the frozen packs from okay. Tesco. And I just, I would eat the whole bag. That's all I would eat. I would wake up in the morning. I would not eat a thing. I'd go home, put a kilo of broccoli on, and then eat it. And that was my, that was the only thing I would eat on Monday. Nutritious. Yeah, that took willpower. Yeah. <laughs> it was it. Like, and Sean is in a room thinking no cheese sauce without broccoli <laughs> no cheese sauce oh cheese sauce and broccoli mm. <laughs> oh, I didn't even put salt on it it was just broccoli and that's right. all it was nice that was, that's yeah. willpower I, I did a three day fast my first one there recently and I just did ah. it three days because I had it set in my head that I was going to do three days and then I just couldn't overcome that so um, but I might as well have went on because the three days are the hardest Breaking the fast is the hardest part. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Oh my god, I broke the fast really wrong, but um, I was so proud of myself that I didn't eat for three days, mm. wasn't I? And mm-hmm. it really made me feel like, oh yeah, I can definitely do this again. So my plan is to do do three days at least every month. And it also showed you because mm. after you finished that three days, mm-hmm. you started to play it down. And yes, I was like, I did. well, the, if you said that two years ago, or if if anyone out there has never tried to fast, it's difficult to not eat for three days. And yeah. after you did it, you were like, ah, oh, I guess it was. It's not that impressive. And I was like, this <laughs> is how your this is how your mind works. That, mm-hmm. that you, you're not giving yourself the credit for something difficult you've done. Mm-hmm. Like, you should be like, look at me. Woo-hoo. The funny yeah, thing yeah. was, I was really looking forward to certain foods afterwards. And when I ate them, I was so disappointed. Like, yeah, because because you have I had all these ideas of how lovely pizzas were, and I didn't start eating pizza straight right. afterwards. But I was like, I can't wait for some salmon and veg. And then I had it that night, and I was like, ugh. Really? Yeah. yeah. I was surprised by that too because it's yeah. delicious when I eat. When, yeah, whenever I finish my fast and I eat, I'm so grateful. I'm like, no. food, oh my God. I was really I'm under, be live. underwhelmed. I was like, this is nice, but no. I think I'd hyped up how good it was going to be. 
But like, I didn't get satisfying food for about three days afterwards, and uh, just anything I ate, I was that just like, "It's really horrible. interesting." But what I found was, I, I was almost tasting them for what they actually were. I was like, "Ugh, <laughs> you're not actually that good." Like, you know, what? And meat and everything. I was kind of like, "Ugh, no, I don't want this." That is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I did not expect that. Yeah, but now I'm just eating everything, so... <laughs> now I feel like an idiot for telling everyone that you'll be so grateful for the food. Well, no, I was very shocked too, because whenever I've done it and eaten afterwards, I've been like, I just slowly eating as well. I just put some... And I'm like... Mm. <laughs> yeah. I could smell everything while Celery. I was fasting, like, amazingly, <laughs> but Kilo I just was broccoli. unimpressed with the taste, but I think that was my fault. I'd built it up too much That's for that meal. Yeah. So, so we'll see you next time. So your body says, I don't need this food anymore. It was rejecting it almost. It was like, yeah. you're eating this meat and this, uh, uh, this came from horrible cows being yeah, killed. Yeah. And, so, and I was like, so if you had eaten like a bowl of juicy potatoes or something, would it have been better, do you think? Well, I did. I had some baby potatoes. Lots and did of you not? Did you hate them as well? or? They were all right. They were all right. Yeah. Oh. I'd preferred them before the fast. Jesus. It was, yeah, it was strange for me. Yeah. I couldn't get anything nice for three days. What? <laughs> yeah. I feel so let down. I was raging. <laughs> <laughs> I was raging because he kept harping on about um, oh the food after is just amazing, and I was like, and I was really excited, and I was like, and I put so much effort into making my dinner for when I was breaking the fast and everything, and uh, so so upset. Just goes to show that there's not everything is not one hundred percent along the bandwidth. Yeah, you know. I was gonna um because. Alex, it is your first show, and I hope sure. you come back. But oh, I don't. Yeah. Uh, you're planning to come oh, back? Yeah. Fantastic. Anytime okay. you want me. We're adding. Back. This we're, is we're great. One more. <laughs> one more each week. Um, I was going to ask. Uh, I know you're interested in becoming a plastic surgeon. Yeah. But you were also talking to me about the um, the. It was we had a huge conversation in the UCD um, uh, cafeteria one day about was it the. It shows how much I'm. My memory is so bad, but it was about how. The drugs system, I think, within... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, that's all. I, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Okay. So, uh, you're talking about the, the how uh, how drugs can be sold in America. Mm. Yeah, so so in the in the U.S., uh, if Pfizer has a drug, they have to... S- they sell the drug to a middle manager called a pharmacy benefits manager who then sells it to either the hospital pharmacy or the pharmacy. And essentially, what happens is if you take a pill that was $1 to produce, uh, but Pfizer would normally sell it for 3 they sell it at that full 3 to your benefits manager, but then your benefits manager turns around and then sells it for like 10 but then Pfizer gets some of the money. And it's just, it's this system that just hyperinflates the cost of all drugs in the end of the day. It's like the guy who bought the TB medication, and he just decided, you know, to raise the price it's like 200%. There's a huge scandal over that. Yeah, was yeah, it, exactly. was it HIV or TB? I think it was TB. I thought no, it, was it, was, TB. it was TB, yeah. There was HIV as well, though. Do you remember that one? Yeah, that was, was only recent. Was well. I, I remember the TB one because he ended up buying that Wu-Tang album that was like a <laughs> limited edition. And that's how I remember this, this asshole buys a one-off album with all his TB money. <laughs> 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 so people were like, couldn't get their medication. Yeah, because he just decided to raise the price. And what does TB do to you? Is it uh, tuberculosis is just it's an awful... It's awful, an awful disease. Lungs, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a, Does it's it kill a, you? Yeah. Well, so if you have drug-resistant TB, which is coming, which is becoming more and more prevalent. Yeah, it's coming back. Isn't yeah, it? it's it's, it's really back. coming back. TB is coming back yeah. as a disease, mm-hmm. and he just decided to raise the price of this medication that was just really effective, and he was being used a lot in Africa and then or less industrialized countries where TB is more 
more prevalent. Uh, but no, there's a lot of things in American medicine that I that I don't like, don't and that's why I, I like plastics more than anything else. Like I look at all the specialties, apart from certain ones, <laughs> like uh, like you know. And when people say, let's clarify, when uh, you say plastic surgery, a lot of people think of cosmetic surgery. Mm-hmm. But like for example, uh, in the U.S., uh, half of the hand surgeons in hospitals are plastic surgeons. Mm-hmm. So you'd never think that your hand surgeon learned how to do breast augmentations, but your hand mm-hmm. surgeon is 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 also a plastic surgeon. They do uh, burn reconstruction. I've never heard of a hand surgeon before. Never heard of a hand surgeon? No. Well, how do you think they reattach fingers and things like that when you just... The surgeon. Oh, no. There's there's general surgery and then there's specialized surgery. There's general surgery and then there's everyone who's better. Uh, (laughs) So is there like specializations for every part, like genital surgeons? No, that's plastic surgery. That's plastic, yeah. I was thinking, if you're going to be a hand surgeon, surely there's a dick surgeon. I actually need to go to the loo. No, that's... that's, that's uh, that's part of plastic surgery. I met a doctor this summer while I was working who, who he, he he was training and he wanted his subspecialty to be gender confirmation surgery. As in like uh, gender, gender reassignment? reassignment. We, yes. Yeah. Okay. The names or the, the confirmation. Names. Confirmation right, of your gender. Right, because okay, if yeah. you affirm what you are as a person, you want to confirm it in your Mm-hmm. In your you don't want to reassign. Form. Yeah, right, right. Reassignment <laughs> sounds forced. So oh, yeah, this is the new. This is the new word. It does sound very nazi reassignment. Reassignment, right, which is why it's confirmation surgery. Mm-hmm. So. You reassign your gender. <laughs> um. So, so that, that was, that's what he wanted his subspecialty to be. Uh, uh, and we did a lot of other stuff. I did a lot of cancer. They did a lot of skin cancer. We did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're not supposed to talk about that, but, you know. You're on the internet radio, mate. No one knows. We haven't even said your surname. <laughs> right, we just said where I go to school, what I do, where are my parents are. Everything. Everyone can find out. Right, right. Speaking We've of the, made it Speaking all of the pharmaceuticals, though, do you remember there's a new drug for MS called Jelenia, and it's made with cordyceps mushroom. And you can buy these cordyceps mushroom supplements online for cheap enough. Now, obviously, there's more stuff put into it. I don't yeah. know about that. I, I but it's four grand a month. For this Jelenia, yeah, there, and it has massive side effects. There's a uh, speaking of expensive medication. When you know when uh, uh, there's a big thing in the U.S., a lot of people who are on uh, like Lipitor and things like that. Uh, when when they're on uh, high cholesterol drugs, yeah, there's actually a medication you can buy where you take it like once a month, mm-hmm. and it just completely regulates your body. You know, obviously you can have dietary things, things like that. Is this instead of Lipitor? Instead of Lipitor. Instead of statins, completely. And you just take it once a month, but it's like $10,000 for your month. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Lipitor sounds like some sort of a B-movie bad monster guy. Lipitor. Lipitor. (laughs) (laughs) It has a lot of side effects, though. Statins do in general. Statins do in general. And and a lot of people, you're you're put on them for life. And it's this this big thing. They tried to start me on statins when I was 25. Yeah, it's weird. I was like, nah. It's... it's, it's, (laughs) It's odd, like, you know, where is this really coming from? Who yeah. funds the research now? You know, you get into, like, crazy conspiracy theories. Like, yeah. is this real? Is mm. the research behind this legitimate? Who paid but, for this? But well, like, just researching, looking at research for my philosophy and psychology mm-hmm. subjects, research seems to be so biased and problematic. Like, they so just bad. skew everything. And ev- almost every research paper is hey, dodgy. You, you can find a research paper to support almost whatever you want yeah. now. But... There was a book called Lost Connections, Johan Harry, mm. who debunked depression and gave the nine real causes for depression, which were a lot of them were environmental and, and true lost connections mm. with family, nature, all this mm. kind of stuff. But he met with so many people that did all this research into depression and antidepressants. And um, he 
he requested research from the FDA, wasn't it? Was mm. the FDA? Um, that was hidden, that was never published, mm. that was against antidepressants to actually show that they don't. Yeah, the SSRIs was was just a, a, an, an unproven hypothesis. Yeah, that the brain was broken and it had a chemical imbalance. Fair enough, it might, but that is not the cause mm. of the chemical imbalance or your depression, the cause of these external reasons. But it was all the stuff to, to keep SSRIs in the treatment for depression was just no we won't produce that but we'll publish this one that shows that they're they do work to a certain extent but like when he when he went through that book and just kind of he just destroyed them really he had a lot of detail because he was on them from when he was very young very young and he just had to keep up in his dose and up in his dose and up in his dose to the point where he was taking a huge amount and he basically he was saying saying that they they do have initial effect that's for sure but they don't solve the underlying issue yeah. and that they it's like a band-aid on a, on a gash yeah. you know it's yeah. like it'll make you feel slightly better for a small period of time then you got to take more like it's almost like an alcoholic almost it's yeah. like hey this this drink will make you feel better for a few hours hey it's not that one drink really isn't working anymore have three you know oh hey right. have, yeah have it's a like bottle of jack they will <laughs> improve they will improve the serotonin of yeah. course which is going to make you feel a little bit better but it's gonna come back if if the depression is because of problems in your in your personal life, like lost connections, for example. Yeah. Um, it's gonna come back, and you can't stop that. So the, they he does recommend antidepressants stitch out of a massive hole, mm. but they aren't gonna solve the reason you got your depression in the first place, and all that research was was kind of hidden. There was a, there was a psychologist or psychiatrist who came to speak it at uh, at uh, one of our career nights. And he made a joke saying that, um, uh, that as a psychiatrist, he was the only actual doctor in the room, and everyone was everyone else was a glorified human veterinarian, <laughs> uh, and that he was the only person who really treated what it was to be human. Yeah. And uh, I don't think that those is what you were going to. I don't think there's a, there's enough attention to mental health. No. And or you know people as we were saying earlier, the people don't know how to talk about it, so we, we throw these band aids on things. Mm-hmm. And you know, do the treatments work for everyone? No. Do they work for some people outrageously well? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, but can you qualify that something's not right because it doesn't work for some people? No. But if no. it works for a lot of people, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you fix the gap between that? There's a great documentary called Crazy Wise. Um, unfortunately, you have to pay for it. I, I couldn't find a pirated version <laughs> to, to, to watch. Um, but it was basically framing schizophrenia with the... the um, with the mystic experience and basically saying that these people that go that have schizophrenic experiences or experiences or the condition of schizophrenia um, are more open they're generally more open personality type and they don't know how to frame or deal with what's going on mm-hmm. inside their mind whereas in um, more uh, indigenous cultures around the world those people would be regarded as shaman or mm-hmm. potential uh, mystics and then they would be trained to use their skills and they'd be actually highly respected in the community. And then, now, look, obviously, it's not a very simple issue to deal with. And anybody out there who's dealt with schizophrenia realizes it's a no joke. If, if your cousin thinks there's, that he's Napoleon and he's throwing shit at the wall, you can talk about the mystical experience <laughs> all you want. But Shots face. <laughs> Sean, yeah, looked like you just like imploded there. Um, but but it, it, there, there, is, there is this thing where we all do talk to ourselves in our head. Yeah. You know? Um, and we all, it's, also, it's such a normal occurrence where. I'll be walking outside and 
I, what I could be doing is looking around, sensing the air in my skin, mm. taking in the smells, basically being present. Now that I don't have to qualify all that in my mind and go, this smells nice, that looks pretty. Because again, that's talking. Who am I talking to? I know it looks pretty. I don't need to say in my head, it looks pretty. I don't need to say, oh, what a beautiful sunset. It is a beautiful sunset. I don't need to tell myself that. Why am I talking to myself? Mm. Who am I talking to? Who is this person that feels like it needs to vocalize everything? And and then it, it, it can get it can get worse then. You can actually disagree with some mm. of the things that come into your head. Like you walk down and you say something mean about somebody who walks past mm. you, but you don't want to think like that or you don't mm. want to think of yourself as somebody who thinks that way. So you say to yourself, oh, I don't believe that. Mm. That's a horrible thing. God, why do I think like that? And then you're... You, you're, you now now you've split yourself into someone who's just who talks themselves which is crazy already and now you're arguing with yourself instead of being present and walking down and experiencing the world around you you're you could how many people have driven an hour somewhere and it's just gone like that and you've been just in your own head the whole way on automatic pilot mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing it's it's common but basically that is what schizophrenia is but it just gets stronger and stronger and worse and worse and worse and if you get split personality disorder, it's it's not schizophrenia, but it's an even bigger condition that's harder to deal with. But basically, we're just splitting ourselves up. We're splitting ourselves up. We're splitting ourselves up constantly to the point, and it can get really out of hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my aunt, her her thing is she loves food. She has a restaurant, and one of the chefs has schizophrenia. And whenever he's not on his medication, this happened while I was home over the summer. Usually he's so well controlled on his medication, but he came in one day and he just, and he, he wasn't on his medication, it wasn't actually supposed to work, he just came in and he just ruined all the food. He came in and he looked at, you know, the, 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 the pulled pork, the huge massive thing, he just threw the whole thing on the ground. I was like, it wasn't good. I was like, did you taste it? No. Why'd you do that? It just looked awful. And he just he just started you know yelling and screaming and at one point I think he took vinegar and he just poured it all just all over everything, and he just got really out of there. And then he just kind of sat down and just started crying and just said, "I'm so sorry." Yeah, Aww. he believes and, he believes his thoughts yeah, too and, much. And and then he just and then his wife came and picked him up and took him home and and, and but it was just it was so just you don't know what to do at that point. Mm-hmm. You can't get angry, but at some point you're like, you know. This wasn't very nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you weren't supposed to be here anyway. Why are you here? And why did you ruin all the food? <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, uh, back to what you were saying about talking to yourself. There was I read an article about um, how when you hear your own voice in your head, they they, they, yeah, they they took videos of people talking to themselves in their head and they just watched their 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 uh, their. Adam's larynx. Yeah, the the larynx. Yeah. Uh, the Adam's apple. I was going for Adam's apple to make it less you know, technical. Move up and down while they're talking to themselves, and the manifestation of voice in their mind is a physical. And it, the article went on to some. So no one could hear them talking, but this. No, but the it just it, it just very little. It wasn't like you were having a full blown conversation. Was, like it was all. In but they were just they were just sitting there. They were just they were encouraged to just talk to themselves. They yeah. they weren't told why. So that was the, that was the control for it. They were just told they were just going to be filmed. They couldn't say anything out loud, but, it was in their but they they just had to sit there and just have a conversation with themselves for ten minutes, and it just moved just minimally, wow. yeah. And it was the idea was the manifestation of thought in the physical form, you know, of moving. And they were trying to get to the idea that 
the reason why we think in our own voice is because we have a voice to begin with. It mm-hmm. was like like a backwards thing. It wasn't like, you know, you think, you speak, it goes out. It was that the reason why we think in, in words and things like that is because you have the ability to speak and hearing yourself speak gives you the ability to hear your thoughts in your this own head. This was strange. I said to you the other day, sorry, Kurokasha there, um, how I wondered, uh, deaf people, is it deaf people? Yeah. How do they think? Right. Mm. The, 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 his, do they think in words, sounds? That's, that's where this That's where this guy was going. I think his daughter was born, she, she couldn't hear a thing. Yeah. So she had no concept of voice and he wanted to know, this was yeah. where his article was coming. I think that's where it was from. But I think he also wanted to know how dogs think too. He was like, you know, how does an animal make a decision? You know, yeah. it, it doesn't have the vocalization. It can't yeah. sit here and go, I want to eat something. Let me go nibble on this shoe. Like it doesn't have that. This is what people say if you get to, um, again, that person I've been listening to a lot, Ajishanti, when you get to that level where you defeat your ego mm. to, to a, a very high level, your idea of free will is gone. So you're not making the decision to do anything. Right. And you're just, you're just, you are the decisions that you make. You're not making them, thinking about them. And it's not your thoughts that are generating the action. So the answer to what the dog would be doing from that viewpoint is, the dog doesn't need to think. He's not doing any of it. The dog is an expression of life. Mm. He is what he is. And it's just a happening. And everything is a happening. And that's what's going on with us. Except we have a narrator in our brain mm. mm-hmm. that goes, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And that's right. the whole will thing of, am I deciding that I don't want to eat this chocolate bar right now? Mm. Or oh, yeah. am I at the will of the world? Is It gets right. to a point where yeah. you just tie yourself into a knot of... Who's doing all of this? You right. know, that was that was a big focus. In I was taking neuroscience at the same time that we took our philosophy class this time last year, and a big thing in neuroscience was the idea that you know you just you just you have absolutely no free will. It just doesn't exist. It's all shit. You just someone dreamed up this idea. It was probably someone religious trying to justify the idea of a god and the idea of good and evil as like decision processes. Uh, that was our that was the take that we got because th- their idea was or the way they presented it was uh, you know can you can you can, we were we were in a tutorial and we were told try and think of something that no one's ever thought of that doesn't involve anything that you've already learned and we all kind of looked at them like how do you do that <laughs> we're like and his example was you can't say a purple dinosaur you know, that's sort of something that's not real. Be imaginative, but it, ha- it can't be something that's defined in terms you already know. And his his this was his little mind test. You have to come up with a new language. You have to come up with some either a new language or a you have to words. come up with something completely in, that doesn't exist, but it can't exist from the realm. Or his idea was that you could only think thoughts, or you could only have the idea of something that you've already been presented, mm-hmm. and you either adjust who you are, mm-hmm. or you or you disregard what you've been presented with. That was his idea. We'll get into the philosophy on that, if you will. <laughs> no, no, I, <laughs> I know nothing. What was the what was the class you both took last year? Problems of philosophy. Problems of philosophy. Oh yeah, yeah. I like that one. Yeah, it was yeah, good. It was, it was good. I had a great time. Yeah, it's nice and easy. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I, wrote, no. I wrote the whole free will essay on neuroscience because I had my neuro exam the next day. Nice. So I just studied for my writing. Writing neuroscience Did you get an A? I got a B plus. Oh, well done. Good job. Was, I mean, I think they graded me because I didn't actually reference any of the philosophy we learned. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this was That's an interesting read. about philosophy, though. If you, if you completely ignore everything that they've told you, including all of the recommended reading yeah. and everything, 
if you make a good argument, you can still yeah. get a decent grade. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 It was it was an interesting course. Yeah. <laughs> I think this. Okay, why? I don't know. <laughs> but I, I don't really understand the free will um, thing. So, like, if so, you're saying everything's determined. No. So this is this is where um, it gets really complicated. And this is where I'm going to fail at explaining it. So it's saying that you are not your thoughts, right? And generally, we think of ourselves as... as a, a, it's very hard to talk about this, as I said, but I think of myself as Mark Malumby, Irish, grew up here, grew up there. And the way I interact with the world is that's who I am. But everything there is a thought. And like uh, Alex mm-hmm. said, if someone said to me, tell me who you are without referring to a thought, I'd be like... I, I can't do that. Okay, but you're still there. You still exist. So you exist without being able to tell me who you are without thoughts. So you aren't yeah. your thoughts. You're something else. Okay? So until you find out what that something else is, you can't use your will because your will thinks it's something else. So your idea of free will is that you are your thoughts and that those that identification with thoughts is free to make decisions. But you're not that. So until you know who you are, you don't have free will. But once you know who you are, which again is the all, the everything, the one consciousness of the world, then you're sitting in your room, you know, I'm not Mark Malumby from Leash or with this background. These thoughts in my head aren't my own. I can use this as a tool if I stop telling myself who I am. I, again, as life but this, as I said, look, I'm just going to go in circles here. But basically, the idea of free will isn't an individual free will. It's that you have free will to know who you are, and that's about it. But if if you, if you are like the one, whatever that is, <laughs> the one like Neo or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if, if if you are that, you've recognized you're not your mind, you're not your ego, your psychological self. You are the the oneness, whatever. Mm. Um, do are you then working from free will somehow, or I'm going to play that a video for it now, if that's okay. all right. Is yeah, that sure. okay with everybody? Sure. Yeah. Okay, let's let's do that. Hopefully, it's the right video. The one where he talks about all the things that I badly talked about. <laughs> is this Ajashanti? It is. As I said to you earlier on, Sean, he. Um, if you listen to Muji and maybe Krishnamurti and a lot of other teachers, they talk about the day-to-day things that might lead you towards a spiritual awakening, whereas Ajahnanti is like spiritual awakening is, is easy and almost everybody experiences it. You can easily do it playing sport or, or just getting into flow state, but what, how to extend that into something that becomes enlightenment is, is, is the interesting phase that he, he deals with a lot more. It's something that motivates one. This is what I'm calling the personal will. So most human beings are entirely motivated by the personal will. This doesn't mean it's bad. It's just the way it is. So most people, human beings, are are motivated by, will I succeed? Will I survive? That's the deeper level. Will I be loved? Will I be approved of? Will I get by? Will I be recognized? Am I happy? Is my life meaningful? See, that's the personal will searching for something to grab hold of. Am I significant? 
Shall we go on? You get the feeling? And so, and the personal will, it's just trying to satisfy it, right? It's trying to ba say, basically say yes to all those questions. Yes, I'm successful. Yes, I'm lovable. Yes, my life has meaning. Yes, my life has purpose. Yes, 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 yes. And as long as you live in, as long as we live in that state of consciousness, as long as you're there, you know, you might as well satisfy the personal will because if you don't, it gets very upset. In fact, it can get so upset that it gets extraordinarily suicidal if you don't satisfy its concerns and its demands. Or in our culture, you know, like every, everybody just gets depressed. You know, everybody's been Prozac, right? Why? <laughs> well, <laughs> I would suggest there's a lot of reasons, but... This may be one of them. And the, the glimmer that this, to, to, to move from this state of consciousness of the personal is not ultimately satisfying. It's not satisfying. Not in the end. And for most people, sadly, they only come to even begin to glimpse that until they have had some success some achievement, maybe they've raised their kids, they've gone as far as they can in their careers, they've, you know, the old midlife crisis, that is nothing more than this state of consciousness when it starts to realize, I have achieved about as much as I'm going to. It's a downhill slide from here on out, you know what I mean? Physically, I'm as strong as I'll ever get, I have I have, I have arisen in the company as probably as far as I will get. I have done about as well with my children as I can possibly do. Their lives as their own. So all the personal will stuff has, I, 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 you know, usually at that point, I have long ago, you know, left my best uh, looks, looks behind me. <laughs> and so there's not so much hope, right? <laughs> you glad you came tonight <laughs> and so I as I've said you know at that point sadly you know at least I don't know what women do so much but you know men you know they start buying like 57 Chevys and re redoing them or you know they 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 redo whatever they were doing in high school or, or in some other earlier part of life that seemed more satisfactory right only to find out that, you know, once you got your Chevy all lined up and it looks cool and everything, you realize that you're pretty much the only one that cares. And the other guys that are about in the same age group that are doing the same thing, you know, and that runs out. So this is actually a very natural process that even way before we get into any sort of spiritual work, there is, the, there is it is happening. The limitations of the personal show themselves up in life and human beings by and large defend themselves against seeing this with everything they have. Every ounce of blood, sweat and tears goes into defending themselves against this. And it survives right into the spiritual world. Don't deceive yourself, right? Well, the 57 Chevy didn't do it and raising the wonderful children and having a wonderful mate or maybe, you know, failing at all that. 
But I know when I have the right spiritual experience, it's going to make it all right. It's the personal will, right? Everything will be okay for me when I get to that plateau, when I become like the enlightened ones, when I da 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 happens. And although it seems like I'm painting this in a negative light, as far as I'm concerned, this is just a part of human development. It's not wrong. It doesn't. It shouldn't be looked in in positive or negative terms as in right or wrong terms. It's just human development stuff. It's just what happens. But really, when you really have a real glimpse into the truth of your nature, this diminishment of the personal will really, really, really gets cranked up. Unless you really, really, really fight against it. And as I said, most people do. One of the reasons it's so little understood. It's so unexpected. Because in many people's minds, their realization can be seen in their own minds as a point of success. You don't know that you're being set up for the ultimate fall. You don't know that you're being set up so this so that this this game is not about you or me achieving the grand state of enlightenment. Because the grand state of enlightenment is something completely different than anybody could ever imagine. You can't imagine it. You can imagine the personal will's ideal of it, the what it hopes it will be. But you can't imagine it as it actually is. And so as this ebbing away happens, if you resist it, it can be quite terrible, quite disorienting. What's happening to my life? What's happening to my motivation? I used to have so much motivation. Where's my passion? Does that ring any bells for anybody? Where's my passion? I used to be a passionate person. I had things that I was, I had ideas that I was passionate about. I had people I was passionate about. I had hobbies that I was passionate about. And it's all just falling apart. And what in the hell is happening? Does this resonate for anybody? Okay, good. <laughs> and of course coming up to spiritual realization I don't mean it as higher or lower but just as a way of talking coming up to that point where you realize your true nature it has lots of pitfalls many 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 cul-de-sacs they get caught in you know basically they're just cul-de-sacs of spiritual entertainment rather than actually seeking the truth but on the other side of realization, there's actually much more pitfalls and they're a lot more dangerous. How's that? That sounds fun, doesn't it? <laughs> because this ebb can get interpreted and often does in the mind in some very negative ways, destructive ways. Right? Because the mind can only interpret this diminishment of, of its passion in a negative way.
And so there's many cul-de-sacs and there's many places that one can get stuck that you really, 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 really don't want to get stuck in. Lots of ways the mind will very negatively interpret what's happening. And that's one of the reasons I'm giving this talk. So maybe the mind won't do that so much. Because this isn't a negative process at all. It's totally natural. It's coming into a new way of being. That new way of being starts with the realization of your true nature. That, that, that new way of being really flowers with the, with the diminishment of this personal will. Yeah, Sean, you were asking me questions uh, as if <laughs> I know, but I, 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 felt, I felt like I was getting towards this. And when I realized that I, I as Mark, wasn't getting somewhere, what I was actually doing was losing all my illusions. It is quite terrifying because everything you believed, you didn't realize you have beliefs until they're taken away from you. Um, but I, I think, I mean, I don't know where I am in that process, but mm. I, I, I think I'm starting to see it. Mm. But I, I see it as like quite a like interesting, like positive thing. I don't, it's not, I don't see it as scary. Do you have anything you love? Um, hmm. like what? Like anything. I like I like tennis. tennis. Okay, sure. <laughs> that, 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 that will. Be, that, you're probably thinking of a person. That will be taken away. Okay, my my interest in tennis will yeah, just go. Yeah, your your idea of your idea of mother, father, love, death. Every idea you have is taken away, and you realize that they're they're only valid on one level. Everything is taken. And so that's terrifying. <laughs> so, so does that mean you lose like all your interests, all the things you like? That's You're just the, not interested that's the initial stage. That's when I turned and ran. Desire is gone. That's all your desires are gone. To, and, and all your repulsions are gone as well. Mm. People always think about the things that, they're, that they don't want, that they won't have any power over them anymore. But they forget about all the things that they love about their ego, about their ideas and their their things they enjoy and the things they want from their life and their their idea of a romantic relationship and lots of there's so many different things that we hold dear that we don't even realize we hold dear because we don't think they're ideas we think they're real because we've lived in this culture our whole lives and as soon as that you realize that everything isn't true nothing is true at all they're only relatively true on one level but ultimately it's not it's it's not the the full the full picture and everything gets taken from you and so you have to exist for a period of time before this deeper this experience gets deeper where you're lost you have no idea how to function and you have to have faith because the only way that you're only way that you are not having faith is if you start thinking again but man like me you're going to start thinking <laughs> that's what i did i was like I my I started to lose everything and I was like, whoa, this isn't what I thought I was going for. Maybe I, it was too quick. Yeah, for you, it was. And maybe mine's just like so gradual that I'm like, this is. That's fine. why you need to take some mushroom, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I told Mark to take a break. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sharon was like, you need to stop, and then I fasted for a week and went to Tremor for four days and went to the far end of the beach and sat down and smoked some weed, took some mushrooms together at the same time, saw visions in the clouds, 
heard the voice in my head in a very, very different way to have ever heard it before. Um, and uh, I thought that this was going to be the start of a beautiful journey. But instead, since then, I've been terrified. I've been absolutely terrified because I've got to let everything go if I want to continue down this path. And if I don't continue down this path, then I'm living a lie. So it's it's scary. <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds too... too Sorry, it just sounds too like too much, too too dramatic or something. Yeah, it does sound very dramatic, but um, it 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 does feel that way. Um, but but I think because I haven't progressed down this path, as I said, I can't tell you that there's. Oh, I, I was just overreacting because I'm not there, so I don't know. Yeah. You know, and I'm at the end of the day, I'm just a normal dude who doesn't know anything and had to fart because he didn't go to the toilet before the show. Like I'm not. I'm not doing anything that all of you wouldn't experience if you didn't go down this path as well, you know. Um, so I just got a bit scared by the process. Um, and maybe, I, maybe as we said, it's all hallucinations. Maybe I'm slightly schizophrenic. Maybe I've, I'm interpreting everything wrong. Maybe all of this is completely not true and I'm imagining it all. But it did not feel that way. And uh, it scared me, yeah. But I just, I just wonder, is it too much too fast for you, you know? Well, it was. Absolutely yeah. it was. But uh, I guess for me, it was me. <laughs> um, somebody else say something so we can finish up the show. I don't <laughs> want to finish on this point. Christo, you had a good quote last week. Give us something awesome. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, talk you, first, you then you give us something else. Well, okay. Before you came in. I'm... I laughed. You laughed at something before he came in. Well, I laughed because he s- said he farted. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, um, I've, yeah, I suppose I've gotten to those stages where it's a bit scary because you start losing the interest that you thought you always loved, and you're like, well, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And I do think that it's, it's, it's definitely not an easy thing to be, you know, quote unquote, enlightened, to the extent that you're saying in this society because we have to make money we have to do all of these things I think if we were living out in nature with you know just being one with nature I think it's fine and that's the the sort of conclusion uh, I had to come to uh, it's like I can't do this now unless I leave and go join a monastery or I go live in nature if, I, if I'm here now and I'm going to do anything I need to be here and I, and I actually probably need my ego but in a in a controlled way to use it if in the right way, in a way that doesn't hurt me or hurt anyone else and produces only good things. So the conclusion I came to for the moment anyway, because everything is for the moment, everything's temporary. So, But I do have, and again, this is the ego, have this picture of where I want to be. And again, I'm looking too much in the future, but because I could just drop everything now and I could just be that, you know. But I can't because I've got responsibilities. I have a lot of responsibilities. Family, you know, you want to look after them and, you know. This is why, again, uh, I, I, God, I sound like a fucking arrogant prick, but I'm just trying to relate to these stories. But there is the stories that you have to drop everything. Right? Yeah. And that's why it's scary. No, it's like you've got responsibilities. Fuck your responsibilities. Well, this is the thing. And I'm not. If you I want this, fuck your responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. It really is like that. Like everything. Parents. Yeah. Family. Friends. Fuck them. Yeah. That's the feeling you have. That's like. the Buddhist sort of, you know. And it's and that's that's why it's so scary. Yeah, um, that is, you know. But I, I, I just, I, I thought about it and I, I thought, 
Oh yeah, you have to, but no. I didn't agree in the end. I was like, no. Um, I exist here. Or what is I, but I'm here, whatever. So, I was raised by these loving people that gave me everything. Give it to them back, so... And that's fuck your enlightenment yeah exactly you know? that's the moral that's the moral view that's our whole course yeah. is about this at the moment yeah. is there a suspension of the ethical can you is there something that comes higher than than the moral and most people go no hmm. that's, if you're being immoral you're being immoral and that's not good and that's the way it is yeah. Alex thanks for coming on hopefully oh, be here next week I'll Christo next week. legend wish I could speak as well as you Sean <laughs> love your voice mate want to like, want to be hugged by your voice so I can <laughs> sleep <laughs> yes. Sharon come in here and say goodbye and I'll be talking to you for the rest of the night anyway you shall goodbye this has been terrifying <laughs> enlightenment <laughs>